Make your plans now to join us for the G3 National Conference, September 30th through October 2nd, as we'll gather for Christian fellowship and the worship of God through song and the preached word. Our theme for the 2021 conference will be centered on biblical Christology. You can find registration details at g3men.org. Get 15% off by mentioning code G3BAR. That's G3BAR. Yo, welcome to the bar. Come on and pull up a seat. And open up your Bible, what a wonderful feast The living bread and we're discussing what it means for the streets The inner cities and the burbs and every person we meet This is where we challenge worldviews that we hear from world news In light of the scripture, we are here to serve you We're your source for resources To help you on your way as you battle mean forces This is for the people who can see the importance Of sound theology and the scripture that support it And this is for the truth lovers Biblically reforming, preaching Christ to the nations Yeah, welcome to the modern the Reformation, yeah. The Bar, Biblical and Reformed. Welcome everybody to The Bar. It's your boy Dwayne in the building. Right back in here another Tuesday. Super excited as always to bring you your favorite podcast. Coming through your speakers, through your earbuds, through your Alexa, through your home studio, wherever you listen to The Bar. I'm just grateful that you would join us another Tuesday. And today I like to start like I start every show. I know you guys know I'm like a almost like a broker record, man, but I always like to thank the listeners, man. This is so awesome to be able to reach out to you every week. You're tuning into the bar, you're reposting, you're liking, you're buying gear, you're rocking bar stuff. You're walking around with the bar on your chest or on your head. And uh, I'm just grateful, man. I'm just so honored that you guys would do that, man. And like I also do every Tuesday, I bring you another exciting guest. This one I am super excited to have. Uh, definitely um, want to give a big shout out to the big homie, Mr. Nick Bassick, for uh, hooking this up, making this come together. But I want to bring to the stage or to the mic none other than Mr. Carl Truman. How are you today, sir? I'm doing very well, Dwayne. Yourself? Oh, man, I'm doing excellent, man. And uh, I always like to start off the show by giving you the floor, give you a chance to uh, introduce yourself to my listeners, whether it's personal or professional. I'm going to give you the floor to do that right here. Well, my name is Carl Truman. I'm, I'm I trained, really, as a, as a historian, specifically a church historian. I've taught at the universities of Nottingham and Aberdeen. And then up until recently, I was teaching at Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia, uh, left there after 17 years to take up a teaching position at Grove City College in Western Pennsylvania. And also, I'm an ordained minister in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. And again, up until recently, I was uh, pastor of Cornerstone Presbyterian Church in Ambler, Pennsylvania. When I took the, the job at Grove, I sadly had to step down as, as pastor of the church. But I've had those sort of two hats now for, for many years, a pastoral hat and a more academic hat. Nice, nice. And then you left off a part, man, uh, the, the podcast that, uh, that oh, I, yeah. I think I, I, do I a... first heard you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do, a, I do a podcast with two friends, uh, Todd Pruitt, who's a, a pastor in the PCA. He was actually a, a Baptist when I met him, but we brought him over to the uh, the true faith on that one. And uh, <laughs> Amy Bird, uh, who's a member of an OPC church in Frederick in Maryland. So I, I do a weekly podcast with those two friends, which is 
Uh, yeah, that's when you, when you said introduce yourself. That's too much fun for me to to think of as being uh, part of real life, really. I, I I see. I understand. I get that. I I feel the same way about my show, man. It's 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 fun. It, you know, I love doing it. I love love uh, the feedback. So I definitely understand why you might have left that part off for sure. And uh, man, I want to start off with uh, you talked about the several years with two hats. I have a lot of local pastors that listen, um, and and what i guess in what way uh were you able to balance those two hats of uh, academic you know professor i know that that takes time as well as pastoring what what are some of the things you you did or had in place to help you uh uh, uh wear those two hats well the question of how i balanced them i normally answer that very badly indeed <laughs> <laughs> it uh it isn't it isn't easy to to be doing both uh, the pastoral task and something else. I guess for me, it, it was easier than it is for a lot of guys I know because being a seminary professor, there was quite a close connection between mm-hmm. the kind of things I was doing professionally, uh, the seminary, and my pastoral calling. Uh, I, you know, I've known guys in presbytery who've, who've driven buses or, or worked mm-hmm. in hospitals while also pastoring. And so I, I had it comparatively easy compared to them. Uh, I think the key thing for me was I had a great bunch of elders in Presbyterian, so as we call them a session, but a great bunch of local elders who carried a lot of the day-to-day pastoral work that allowed me to focus the time I had on on sermon preparation. Uh, but even then, it it, it was it, it became very tiring, and uh, I found that over a over a number of years, the the, the the exhaustion level sort of accumulated, and even having a month mm. off in the summer. Uh, didn't make a whole lot of difference. So, uh, you know, having done it for for six years, I've come to think that probably bivocational pastoring is is best done as a short-term emergency stopgap, and the ideal really should be uh, a person who can focus full-time on the pastoral calling. It's difficult to switch off when you're a pastor. There's always work that can Mm -hmm. be done. Mm -hmm. There are always problems popping up. Uh, and it's very difficult to plan as well because, you know, life is chaos and you have a lot of people who have chaotic lives in the church mm-hmm. and you never know when a, a crisis is going to occur and when you're going to need to be deeply involved in, in some very problematic and complicated situations. So it's hard to plan. I, 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 when I look back, I think I sort of winged it for, for six <laughs> years in many ways. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's that. I, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, the local pastor, uh, uh, just the occupation in itself, uh, I don't envy <laughs> at all. Um, and, and I definitely honor it. Uh, we do what we call local pastor spotlight uh, on the bar where we highlight, you know, once a month, uh, a pastor that wouldn't normally get, you know, an interview or, you know, a, yeah. a spot, you know, so we definitely honor that position. Um, so as far as the, you know, uh, being a seminary professor, um, what, uh, trends have you seen, uh, as far as your students go, as far as, uh, the whole, I guess, even reformed theology. I don't know, you know, I know you said you're a historian. I don't know what actually you taught on, but have you seen like an increase or a decrease or, or have you seen any trends uh, when it comes to uh, students that are, I guess, uh, have a reformed soteriology? Yeah, I think the last uh, 
10 years have seen uh, an encouraging uh, upsurge of, of students interested in good reform theology. Certainly for the first few years when I was at Westminster, uh, the so-called emergent church was very much the, seemed mm. to be the wave of the future at that point. That, that, that sort of seemed to weaken and perhaps die out, sort of 2007, 2008, 2009. And we had this very encouraging uptick in, in students interested in, in Reformation theology, in Calvinistic theology. Uh, so uh, the last my last ten years at Westminster are certainly very appreciative of of you know, young enthusiastic people signing up for for good solid theological training. Uh, it's typical, I think, among academics to always lament the the slow and steady academic decline of students. It's been going <laughs> on for centuries now. I didn't really notice that myself at, at Westminster. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we had a pretty good. Uh, pretty good crop of students on the whole. I think where I've seen the biggest change, and this is a, a change that I, I'm not sure I can yet evaluate it in any, in any significant way, but a, a massive expansion in, in the kind of student being brought in terms of, mm -hmm. if you look back at the history of seminaries, typically they were established specifically to train men for the ministry. What has really happened in the last 10, 15, 20, 30 years is the briefs of seminaries has, has massively expanded, that now a lot more people are coming who are not training for ordained ministry. They're not training to, to be the pastor or the minister on a Sunday. They're coming in to get Bible and theological training to help them be, I suppose, better members of the local church, uh, perhaps engage in, in Christian ministry outside the church. And that, I think has changed the identity of seminaries somewhat. And, and when it raises a, a question for me that, that might pinch a little, perhaps, for, for seminaries is, you know, those degrees are quite expensive. Uh, are the seminaries now charging people for things that really the church should be providing? Uh, mm. I'm not quite sure where to go with that. But if you ask me, you know, what's the biggest change you've seen in the last 10 years? It's not been mm -hmm. in the quality of students. It's not been in the enthusiasm of students. It's been in the the broad brief of of the seminaries that, that are training a lot more people for non-ordained avenues of Christian service, if I could put it that way. Wow. Yeah, that, that actually, uh, yeah, that, that speaks to me because... I think you touched on something where I think there's a need for uh, that training in the local church. Um, you know, I guess a lot of people are not outfitted to do so, but, uh, but cause I've even considered um, seminary uh, just, just for the training um, and yeah. not necessarily, like I said, to be a, a pastor, that's not a desire, but you know, I've even considered that. So I wonder what what do you think? Like, do you think like it's a it's a lack of uh uh I guess uh you know because being a pastor you think about your congregants uh is there is there something that we can do on a local level that would change that or is that just kind of the where where we think we're going as far as people wanting to be uh, uh seminary trained uh, but not necessarily uh, a pastor? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think first of all. 
one of the one of the one of the things that makes me hesitate about what seminaries are doing, as I, as I alluded to, is is the sheer cost. It's it's very expensive mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for the seminary education. On the other hand, there are certain things that it would always be very hard for the local church to provide. So if somebody wants to learn Greek and Hebrew, for example, in order to be able to get deeper into into Scripture in the original languages, that's hard for a church to provide that. Uh, that really is a much more specialist and intensive kind of education that's needed in order to to deliver on that front. Um, so I, I, I think the answer to your question is is it depends exactly what the person's looking for and exactly what what one is is talking about. Uh, a lot of the non-language degrees at seminaries seem to me to provide good training, which could probably be done by the local church, or perhaps by local consortia of churches. There are some uh, sort of training institutes growing up at local levels in certain parts of the country uh, where local churches, pastors, different denominations pool their, their resources to provide Saturday workshops, training people in church history or biblical theology, things like that. So that sort of thing, I think, can be successfully done. Maybe not in the local church, because local churches are often struggling just to get the basic stuff of their ministry out, basic care for people, preaching, uh, administering the Lord's Supper, etc. But maybe consortia of local churches can, can join forces to provide good, solid education at a level that they can competently do. As I say, there are things like biblical languages that are always going to require mm-hmm. more time and more specialist attention than, say, you know, a survey course in church history. You don't have to have uh, a PhD in church history or a, a, a church historian who's published a dozen scholarly monographs in order to provide a good introduction to church history at, say, a local level that doesn't cost anybody anything. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Why, why go to seminary for that, for example? So there are, there are sort of questions like that, that that come up in my mind. And I'm encouraged to see that uh, there are local churches thinking about Christian education in, in more creative and more expansive ways than perhaps they've done so in the past. A, nice. a, a, a byproduct of that, I think, is it also generates... A, a kind of healthy ecumen, you know, grassroots ecumenism, where churches from perhaps different traditions, different denominations are getting together in order to provide a common core of, of things for, for people. Okay. That's that's pretty awesome. I think, you know, you, you said a lot of really good ideas, so I hope some guys are listening. Um, I do know of a few pastors that do kind of like a uh, Saturday seminary thing where they'll bring in people to uh, talk to, you know, whoever want to sign up and teach different things. So, yeah, yeah I, I think that's a, that's a very, very interesting topic um, and, and definitely hope, hope that helps someone. Um, as far as the podcast, let's talk about the little fun stuff. Um, those that don't know about, uh, the, well, I, I call you guys because see, I, I'm a student of the podcast game, so you guys are legends uh, in my eyes. So, <laughs> talk about talk about uh, the the origin. How do you guys get started, and and uh, and and how did it come together? And and just uh, you know, just give my my listeners that don't know about modification span a little little history on it. Well, it's a, it's the, the history, like most things in my life, is a little bit chaotic and accidental, <laughs> uh, fairly unplanned. 
it's it's run by a group called the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. And maybe six or seven years ago, a lot of uh, the, the the council at the Alliance, the men who sort of ran the Alliance, uh, left and went to the Gospel Coalition, which is the sort of the you know the uh, the big conservative. Mm-hmm evangelical organization of the day. So there, were, there, were, there weren't many of us left at the Alliance. And uh, Bob Brady, who's the, uh, the sort of CEO, gave me a call and said, okay, there's hardly anybody left. What do you fancy doing? And I, I just said to him, well, if you're out, I said, wouldn't mind doing a podcast with my pal Todd Pruitt. Todd was pastor of a local church in Philadelphia. Uh, and Bob said, sure, go for it. So Todd and I just started recording this podcast. Um, when we started, it was so low budget that if we had a guest on, we didn't have enough microphones. We had two microphones. <laughs> so if we had a guest, we had to hand the microphone over to him or her and then get it back from them. So uh, we started doing that. And then um, this lady, Amy Bird, uh, reviewed a book. I, I wrote a, a book and um, uh, called Fools Rush In Where Monkeys Fear to Tread. It's a collection of silly articles I did. And I did an introduction to that book. I did the preface under a pseudonym, the pseudonym Rodney Trotter. And I, I just wrote this foreword and said, you know, Truman's a genius. You should read him. He's a really great guy <laughs> under this false name. And she did. She reviewed the book and said, uh, you know, I enjoyed the book, but really they, they shouldn't have got this idiot Rodney Trotter to write the foreword. <laughs> she fell for the joke completely, and as a, mm-hmm. that sort of brought it to our attention. We brought her onto the podcast. Uh, she was living in West Virginia at the time, so we made a lot of jokes about the movie Deliverance and what was it like living you know, <laughs> in, you know, in a place where there was no running hot and cold water, this kind of you know, ethnically insensitive stuff, I suppose. And uh, <laughs> she took it all in her stride and gave as good as she got, so we decided, hey, let's bring her onto the podcast permanently. And... Um, She's been uh, one of the co-hosts ever since. And we try to have a range of, uh, uh, of light-hearted banter and more, more serious subjects. We, we have a fairly broad range of guests. Uh, although the Alliance is, is a Protestant evangelical organization, whenever we've looked at a subject, we've always tried to get the best person we can on that subject, mm-hmm. regardless of whether they're Protestants or evangelical. So, uh, for example, we had Rod Dreher, on to talk about his book, The Benedict Option. Um, we had Anthony Esselin, who's a Roman Catholic, on uh, to talk about uh, identity politics. Um, we've had the Archbishop, the Roman Catholic Archbishop of Philadelphia on to talk about uh, religious freedom and what, it, what it's like to be a religious conservative in the current uh, uh, climate. So we've, we try to keep the podcast both light and broad, and we try to pitch it at a level where... Lay people, non-reformed people can tune in and find something helpful. I, I think having Amy on board has been particularly helpful on that front because Todd and I are both, in some sense, sort of professionals. We both come at things from a pastoral angle. It's been great to have Amy on. She's obviously she's not ordained. She's she's a lay person. To get a mm-hmm. woman's perspective and a perspective of a lay person, uh, I think, has been very very helpful. Uh, and Todd and I have. Don't tell her I said this, but we've actually learned a few things from her over the <laughs> years. But I don't want, I, you know, she must never find that out. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know if she listens to the show, so I can't, gu- <laughs> I can't guarantee that. So uh, you, you actually had uh, uh, a guy that's on our network uh, on as a guest, Daryl Harrison, uh, 
was on your oh, show. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Daryl, Daryl actually started the the bar. He's a part of the Bar Podcast Network. Ah. And um, yeah, yeah. Just thinking is is a show that came after I had Daryl on the show, and he kind of yeah. just blew my mind. And everybody loved him, and I was like, "Bro, you need to do a podcast." And he's like, yeah, "I don't know yeah. how to do a podcast." I said, "Well, you just talk, and I'll take care of everything else." So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah, we had that, fun with Daryl. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. he's a he's a good and very thoughtful guy. Very thoughtful guy. Oh, yeah. Very much appreciated connecting with him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Big shout out to Daryl and Virgil from Just Thinking. And uh, right here, we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back. This is the Chocolate Knox. If you love that wonderful sensation of chewing glass. This is the show for you. Cross Politic is a weekly show and podcast that mixes the taboo formula of faith, culture, and politics, proclaiming the Lordship of Christ in every corner of our culture. Hallelujah. Gabriel Wrench is a deacon from Texas, and he wears overalls. One time. <laughs> Chocolate Knox, a.k.a. David Shannon, he's a movie maker from Minnesota. Action! I'm Toby Sumter, pastor here in Moscow, Idaho, and... I used to live in Alaska. Did you know that? No. no. We've interviewed everyone from Alveda King to Ted Cruz to Steve Dace to Walter Williams. And we invite you to join us here at Cross Politic as we learn to fight, laugh, and feast all to the glory of God. CrossPolitik.com. All right. We're back in here with uh, Mr. Carl Truman. Uh, uh, definitely glad we made this connection feel like i made me a new friend and uh right here mr carl we like to do on the back end of the bar podcast is i have uh what i call the bar signature questions these are three questions that i ask all of my guests and um they're questions you've probably never been asked before on a podcast or a radio show but if you have been asked before then they stole it from me so just keep that in mind okay okay first signature bar question is what kind of music do you listen to Pretty eclectic. Uh, I listen to a lot of classical, uh, quite a bit of jazz, and also a lot of classical rock. So classic rock music. So uh, if I had to choose a classical composer, it would be Chopin. Uh, jazz, I mm. love uh, uh, state the the singing of Stacy Kent. And in terms of rock music, The Who, Led Zeppelin. Uh, Rush, they would be the, and the Kinks, they would be the sort of the big, the big four probably that I listen to most. Nice. I like that list. That's a good list. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir. So um, the next signature bar question is, what book or books are you currently reading? Um, That's a good, that's a good question. Uh, I'm reading uh, a book by the 19th century French writer Stendhal, uh, The Red and the Black, which is a novel about a a young man in post-Napoleonic France uh, trying to make his way up the social social ladder. I'm also reading uh, Thomas Wainandi. He's he's actually a Roman Catholic theologian, but he's written this remarkable book, Jesus Becoming Jesus, which is a wonderful theological study of the four Gospels. Um, it's a bit Catholic in places, inevitably, but his discussion of uh, the incarnation uh, and uh, the baptism of Jesus is some of the most wonderful stuff on the Gospels I've ever read. So those two books, Stendhal, uh, The Red and the Black, and Thomas Wayne Andy, 
uh, Jesus becoming Jesus are the two things that I'm reading at the moment. Okay. Good, good, good. And the last signature bar question is, what podcasts or sermons do you listen to, if any? Um, podcasts. Uh, I listen to one. I've forgotten the name of it. I listen to one by my friend Mark Mavsessian, who's a professor of law at St. John's University in New York. And he does a, a podcast with uh, a friend on issues relating to religious freedom and Christianity uh, and uh, and law. I can I can send you the website link if you like. If you put this podcast yeah. up online, I can send you a link to to his podcast. But Mark is one of the finest legal minds I know. I got to know him last year on my uh, I had a year's research fellowship at Princeton University and got to know Mark there and. Mark is a very, very uh, astute commentator on religious freedom and legal issues. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Definitely send me that link and uh, any other link that you can think of. So, um, Carl, I I, want to thank you again, man, for uh, coming on the bar. Uh, And what I always like to do at the end is kind of give you the floor again to address the listeners. Anything you want to, you know, tell them, whether it's personal, professional, uh, words of encouragement or, uh, you know, any announcement, just keep in mind this show probably won't air until August, but uh, I want to give you the floor to, uh, you know, just address the listeners before we close out. Yeah, I suppose uh, two things. Uh, I'm always asked, you know, people often ask, well, I say always ask, but people often ask, you know, what can, what can I pray for you in particular? And uh, ever since I've been, ever since I became a Christian, my my request when people have asked what they can pray for for me is that I would finish well. Uh, I've known too many Christian friends fall by the wayside to, to have any confidence in my own ability to stand. So I would ask your listeners to pray for me that uh, however long the Lord gives me that I would uh, uh, finish well. And as a plug for my new employer, if there are any parents out there looking for a good Christian liberal arts college to send their kids to, Grove City College in Western Pennsylvania is the place. Awesome. Good stuff, man. Definitely uh, give me the link to the college as well. Uh, we, we always want to promote uh, education and and, um, and and definitely if if uh, if you say it's good, I'm, I'm, I'm rocking with you. <laughs> good stuff, man. Great. Yes, sir. Well, again, man, I, I just want to thank you and appreciate you coming on. The show. What was you about to say? I was just to say thanks very much for having me on the show, Dwayne. It's been a blast. I really enjoyed it. Awesome, awesome. Same here. And to the listeners, appreciate you guys tuning in to The Bar every Tuesday. Make sure you check out all of The Bar Network, uh, Just Thinking with Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker, as well as Bars. And a new addition to The Bar Podcast Network is Pastor Discussion. Make sure you check out Pastor Discussion. Link will be in the, in the, uh, in the show notes. Uh, always can find The Bar at thebarpodcast.com. On Facebook, just search The Bar Podcast. Instagram and Twitter, the bar underscore podcast. And until next time, you guys, God bless.
What's up, bar listeners? It's finally here, the bar exclusive content. Yes, that's right. You can sign up to receive exclusive content as low as $2 a week or $5 a month, $50 for the year to get exclusive content. What is the exclusive content? I'm glad you asked. The exclusive content is additional information from my guests, extra time with them in like the green moon setting, laid back, them asking me questions, I ask them questions, and also the Facebook group. You get an invitation to the Facebook group where we will have discount codes for the bar gear and many many more make sure you sign up the links in the show notes join the vip inside the bar group and we'll see you there